안녕하세요. Good morning, good morning, my dear brothers and sisters, clergy and ambassador for peace. 안녕하십니까? Today I'm so excited, you know, because I have a longing heart to go to Subregion 2, Washington, D.C. I can, uh, I'm going to see my beloved brothers and sisters. Today, I'd like to talk about world peace and the role of the uh, women too from Mother's Anthology, uh, Volume 2. Let's just start it. World Peace and the Role of Women Too. During the past 10 years, I have been privileged to give talks and keynote addresses in the parliamentary halls of many nations across the globe, from the United Nations headquarters to the United States Congress and Japanese diet. We have held hundreds of international meetings where I delivered the message of the Women's Federation. Sometimes the audience comprised several hundred people, sometimes 10,000, and sometimes more than 100,000 people. I have been fortunate to be able to carry out global tours embracing North and South America, Europe, Asia, including Russia and China, Africa, <clears throat> and Oceania. During these tours, my message has always been the proclamation of the era of women and our role in bringing about world peace. We have addressed the serious crisis facing modern civilization, including decadence among young people, family breakdown, teenage and single parenthood, AIDS, drug abuse, crime, and national instability. Moreover, we have raised the issue of ethics and morality in the family and shown the need for the establishment of a new value system aligned with God's truth. In short, we have rung the warning bell. Consequently, inspired and enlightened women motivated from within are leading movements for national reformation and social restoration in each nation across the globe. These movements are creating a foundation of hope throughout the world. So once again, I would like to take this opportunity to thank and congratulate the members, the members of the Women's Federation for World Peace in more than 180 nations around the world, and particularly in South Korea, Japan, and America, you have participated with fervor and accomplished many tangible results for our cause. Thank you. I think this topic, world peace and the role of uh, women too, uh, is the same last week. And especially I talk about the, the role of the woman in detail, so I won't explain it, okay? Next, a living divine principle, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's just study. The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil signifies the love of Eve. As a tree multiplies by its fruit, Eve should have borne good children through her godly love. Instead, 
She bore evil children through her satanic love. Eve was to reach full maturity only after going through a period of growth in which it was possible for her to bear either good fruit or evil fruit through her love. This is why Eve's love is symbolized by the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and why Eve is symbolized by the tree. Eve was to have eaten the fruit of goodness by consummating her God-centered love. Then she would have received the essence of God's divinity and multiplied a good lineage. However, she ate of the fruit of evil by consummating her evil love centered on Satan. Hence, she received the essence of his evil nature and multiplied an evil lineage from which our sinful society descended. Accordingly, Eve's eating the fruit denotes that she consummated a satanic love relationship with the angel, which bound her in blood ties to him. Let's just study further. <clears throat> there is a certain time for you to, to not eat and eat. One, God gave the commandment, do not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat it means that there will come a day when they are told to eat it. It's not that they cannot eat it forever. There is a possibility for them to eat it later. They were told not to eat it because the time had not come. When there is a fruit on a tree, you cannot just pick it and eat it if it's not ripe. Then would you be told to eat it or not to eat it? You cannot taste the real flavor if it's not ripe. And even the shape is not complete. The fruits of a tree are like this. In the first place, the color of all fruits are meant to be the same as the leaves to protect the fruits. When autumn comes, the fruits have become bigger and the color has changed. Then we can eat the fruit. In this context, there must be a certain time to eat exceeding the criteria of not to eat. You should not deal with valuable things without caution. When performing ancestral rites, the foods and things for the ceremonial table are to be prepared by all family members, from grandparents, parents, to the chief mourner until the memorial service day comes. No one can touch any of the food before that day. Only after the memorial service can it be eaten. Likewise, don't pick it does not mean not to eat. It was commanded not to eat until the proper time comes. Thank you. The fact that God commanded do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil means that so the day will come when you can eat the fruit. It does not mean don't eat forever. The reason why immature fruits should not be eaten is because um, unripe fruits cannot give their full flavor. The objects to be placed on the ancestral table for the ancestor memorial service 
must not be eaten until the day of, of the memorial service. You have to wait until heaven allows it. Then, when will Adam and Eve know when it is okay for them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? They have to wait until God grants them uh, the blessing to uh, eat the fruit. They need to wait. You know, why? I'm going to explain about that. Adam and Eve's marriage had to happen at a place where God officiates and where all things and the angelic world blesses them. This is because Adam and Eve's marriage is not only their own marriage. It is a, it is a public marriage and cosmic marriage and a marriage between heaven and earth this is also why true parents hold uh, mass weddings. Actually, Adam and Eve's uh, marriage is God's wedding. God's wedding, substantially. God wears the human being's body. That's why, you know, God needs to proclaim after create all things. And finally, Adam and Eve grown up and then become, become perfect being, and Adam and Eve and become mature, and then and Heavenly Father have to be officiator, bless them in front of the cosmos, right? In front of the heaven and earth, because they are representative of the all things. They become the owner of the all things. That's why their marriage is not just only private marriage, public marriage, that's why I need to wait that, uh, that kind of wedding day. Can you imagine how much God has a longing heart for that marriage of the Adam and Eve? Without permission. Without permission uh, the, from Father, they, they find their spouse by themselves. My goodness, this is really how much hurt God's heart. God invested so much to create the sun and moon and star and ocean and then you know heaven and earth. How long, you know, it took it took how long? And finally, Heavenly Father created Adam and Eve as the representative of God. God really want to wear you know humans' physical body and waited and waited and waited. And then God is really waited. And then Adam and Eve find spouse by themselves with the archangel without God's permission. Can you imagine about that? How much God had hurted by them? Since our marriage, marriage represents Adam and Eve, it is a wedding ceremony that represents heaven and earth in front of the entire universe and God. Therefore, we must never think of our children's blessed marriage personally. Also, because of the marriage, where is the representatives of God's masculine and feminine nature meet? They have to wait for it 
with the heart of the longing and excitement, my brothers and sisters. That's why, why Father loved a mass, a mass wedding, because we are representative of the heaven and earth. We are representative of the cosmos. Our marriage is not private marriage, public, public marriage. We need to understand. We are representative of God. We are representative of the world and all mankind. We are representative of heaven and earth. That's why anyone, you know, treat uh, anyone about the marriage by private way, not so great. Adam and Eve's wedding ceremony is a place to officially declare that they become the owners of all things and enter the realm of God's direct dominion before the whole universe. Hey, all things, all angels. You look at heaven, 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 and earth, and you look at them. Now they become the owner. Things they become owner of the Father officially wanted want to proclaim. My brothers and sisters, our medicine do not treat as a simple as a private matter. Public, we are public figures. Very important. Today's youth ministry, God will help when, when you must overcome circumstances and the live centered on the heart. Let's study. God will help when you must overcome circumstances and live <clears throat> centered on the heart. <clears throat> In our faith course, there are many who get caught up in their circumstances <clears throat> and say, because of this circumstance or because of this thing, and give up on the way. When you get caught in your own circumstances rather than the will, your heart becomes dark. When you get caught in a cer certain circumstance and fall, a fleshy environment is usually the cause. However, the person who lives with the heart as the center and goal can transcend any circumstance, circumstances of the flesh. God will help people who live centered on the heart to overcome all circumstances. For people who live by the heart, God will help them not be caught by circumstances. This is a marvelous thing. God cannot help those who get caught in circumstances and cannot properly proceed on the path they are going on. God only helps those who are centered on the heart and the will is deep in their minds. Why? Since God is the substance of love, he helps people with antennas of the heart, antennas of longing and loving heart. That is why the Bible tells us not to put out the lamp in our hearts. Yes. In our course of faith, what we must make clear of all else is that the will is the goal. God's will is our goal. And in achieving the goal, which is God's will, 
countless situations and circumstances and uh, environments must be overcome no matter what. Do you understand what I'm talking about? The situation, circumstances, environment is not the goal. Our main goal is God's will. That's why regarding the situations and circumstances and environment issue, we need to overcome. Cannot be the subject. However, many people fall down due to uh, situations, circumstances, and environment. We get dominated by these things and live without goals, without God's will. Therefore, those who are dominated by circumstances, situation, and environment give up. And afterwards, they regret it so greatly. When we say, I am busy, I am busy, I am so busy, we must think about what we are busy with. You are busy centering on God's will or centering on just, just your job and then just dominated by environment or not? Am I busy with work? We must check if we are busy centering on God's will. If you get caught in your own circumstances, rather than God's will, your heart becomes dark. When you get caught in a certain circumstance and fall, a firstly environment is usually the cause. However, the person who lives with the heart as the center and the God's will as the goal can transcend any circumstance or any circumstance and environment of the flesh. God helps those who live centered on their heart and the God's will as their goal so that they can overcome all kind of circumstances. This is a really marvelous thing. Since God's substance of love, he helps people with antennas of the heart, antennas of the longing, and go the way of the will with a loving heart to overcome any situation. That's why we must work to not put out the lamp in our heart. Next. People who know the will by the heart always has many tears. The reason we are told not to put out the lamp in the heart is because if the fire is put out, God cannot help us. There must always be a light blazing up in the heart like a fire a heart of longing for God, an attachment to realize the Lord's will always heads towards the Shimjung heart. It is not enough to just believe in the will. People that just believe in the will and follow do not have heart. People who practice conceptual faith just accept the principle and have the belief that the will will be realized someday. There is no heart in people who follow conceptually. Why? It is because they have no tears. People who know the will by the heart always has many tears. Then why don't we have tears even if we know the will? It is because we follow the will conceptually, habitually, and rationally. People who just live by thoughts and notions do not have tears. However, 
if it comes from the heart, that person always has tears. Yes. In order to lead a life of faith well, the fire in our heart must not go out. Believers must always have a burning heart. People who uh, people whose hearts are on fire always have a heart that longs for God and has a strong attachment and to accomplish the Lord's will. It is not enough to just believe that we know the principle and God's will and, and, and that it will come true. Since the principle and the word cannot be denied, all blessed families follow, follow God's will. But the problem is that they do not have the passion or heart to achieve the will. Those who simply accept the principle as the truth are those who have conceptual faith. People with conceptual faith have a dry heart. There is no longing in that person's heart because there is no longing. Uh, there are no tears in that person's heart as well. Heartistic people show certain typical signs. The first sign is longing, always longing. The next are tears to fulfill the will. When I see father's life, his life is really tearful life. Why? Because he's always a thing of God. Always a thing of the poor or mankind. Still could not restore all of them. That's why, you know, Father, with so much tears. Even my spiritual father, Reverend Johann, he said that one who truly understands God's heart, your tears automatically come down. Right? How much do you feel God's sorrowful heart? If you understand God's sorrowful heart, you understand also people's suffering, people's really uneasy life, my brothers and sisters. A person who leads a life of faith in conceptual faith, a conceptual way, has no passion, no longing, and no tears to fulfill the will. Even if you look at Jesus' cause, Jesus went to you know, mountain alone and wept a lot to fulfill the will. Even Jesus cried often. We already know that through the Bible. Even true parents shed many tears in order to achieve the will. The way to know whether or not I have a heart for the will is to see how many tears I shed for the will. A heart for the will always comes with the tears. I really envy that kind of the father's life. Father is easy to cry, very easy to cry. So how can I inherit that kind of the father's life? Then I realize that I need to inherit father's heart. Father's heart truly understand God's heart. That's why easily tears come down. Not just only resemble his external things or 
I need to shed tears. Not like that. Father, he is the one who really knows sorrowful God. Heart of God's sorrow. That's why we are truly love God. We are truly understand true parents' heart. And the tears automatically comes out. But we are fallen men. Our heart is very easily dry, easily up and down. Not easy to really understand God's heart and true parents' heart. Next. People with longing always have tears. People who live by their heart always have longing, thirst, and desperation. That is why the Bible says, blessed are those who are poor, blessed are those who are thirsty, and blessed are those who mourn. Originally, the dwelling place of our heart should have such longing. Who does the Bible say are blessed? It says that it is the people who long for the word like a thirsty person longs for water. People who always long for the word have tears of longing for heaven in their hearts. The words strengthen the heart and create a longing world of heart. When I eat food deliciously, it gives me strength to maintain my life. If the food is not food, my life becomes weaker and loses strength. But if I eat food deliciously and rejoice, my physical body lights up and my life is maintained. The word is the spiritual food for my heart. Yes. I will say again that people who live by their heart always have longing and then thirst, desperation, and tears. That's why the Bible says, Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who are thirsty. And blessed are those who mourn. What's the common point? Really longing. Really longing those who are thirsty. Longing for water. Right? This kind of the longing heart, you know, we need to have that kind of longing heart for God and for true parents. Then automatically we can have a heartistic relationship with our brothers and sisters. That's why I feel that who is the most miserable guy? No heart. No longing heart. I do not miss anyone. It's okay. However, your heart is very dry. Right? The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of heaven is the war of a heart. Longing each other. Missing each other. Right? As a human being, you don't have that kind of heart, that kind of longing. You are not human being. You are not human being. Even animals, they really have a longing heart. And you know, the mother bird and love the baby bird. The fallen man is very dry, very dry. People who always long for the word have tears of the longing for heaven in their heart. The world's, the, the world's 
strengthens the heart and creates a longing wall of heart. When I eat food deliciously, it gives me strength to maintain my life. Likewise, the world is the spiritual food for my heart. Final slide. People who have experienced rebirth, you all must live lives of the heart lighting up through the word. Just as you maintain your health by eating food deliciously and joyfully, my spirit should light up and rejoice by the word. If the conscience accepts the word, it can communicate with heaven. When our mind accepts the word, it is meant to light up brightly. And if there is light in the heart, you can have a foreboding for things to come. The reason people still have not had lives in which the heart is the subject is because they have not experienced rebirth. People who have entered the way of the will and could not experience rebirth do not have tears and they are conceptual. And they have not realized that the heart is the center of everything. People who have not had rebirth always have conflicts with their couple. People who always live with Shimjung are people who have already ended conflicts. In walking on a dark path, you must have a lamp to continue the path without falling. The word is the lamp of the heart. Yes, thank you so much. How can I keep my heart always burning? Just as you maintain your health by eating food deliciously and joyfully, you must always yearn for the word, study word, and try to live according to the word. In other words, you must always yearn for the God's word. This is because the word is God's love. God expresses everything through the word. That's why God's word is God's love, God's heart. When our conscience accepts the word, it can immediately contact heaven. When we accept the word and believe in it, our heart shines and God begins to work. The reason people still do not have the heart as the subject is because they have not experienced rebirth. Those who have accepted the principle but have not experienced rebirth in their heart become tearless, rational, and conceptual people. Is it because of those who are rational, conceptual, and habitual in their life of faith have not yet realized that the most important thing in their life of faith is, is what? The heart. This kind of person has never experienced rebirth. People who have not been reborn always have conflicts with their spouses, with their brothers and sisters, and their human relationships are always complicated. People who always live with shimjong are people who have already ended conflicts. And walking on a dark path, you must have the lamp to continue the path without falling. The world is the lamp of the heart. 
how beautiful it is, my brothers and sisters. That's why fallen men need to begin from God's word. You need to study God's word. You need to really meditate God's word. And then really we need to become embodiment of the God's word. For what? You know, to reach God's heart. You know, to become the man of heart. Today I talk about God will help when you must overcome circumstances and live centered on the heart. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you so much, Dr. Young, for your incredible message again today. And brother and sister, I'd like to move over to our living testimony now. And to offer the testimony, we have uh, Miss Michelle Bea, who's a part of Subregion 4 YCLC. And she'll be sharing on her experience with the YCLC retreat that took place in Las Vegas at the same time with the grand opening of the Chunshim one. So with that, let us uh, welcome up Miss Michelle Bea. Hello. Oh, Michelle. Hey. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, yes. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I'll just share uh, really quickly about the YCLC Leaders Retreat. Um, yes. So, yeah. Um, so, I think one thing that was really meaningful was that we were able to be at the Chonshin one in Las Vegas when it opened. Um, personally, I've never been to Chongqing, but um, this place was really amazing. And the spiritual energy here is on a different level. Uh, the prayers here are just much more deeper and I don't know. I, I found myself really connecting to the environment and really connecting spiritually. So I thought it was a really good foundation for us to have our workshop so that we could connect with the true mother's vision. But um, so, so we started off with uh, just taking some time together as YCLC in prayer um, uh, doing prayer devotions in the morning and then also praying um, at the Chonchimon in uh, True Parents' bedroom. And this was so good to start the workshop and continuously, you know, go through the workshop in this way because after every single day, we would come back here and we would pray. And I would be asking myself, you know, what what is my vision for YCLC? Why am I doing YCLC? Um, and just... You know, how can I connect to True Mother's Heart, which connects very closely to uh, YCLC's vision and to who we are. So uh, I'm really grateful that we could spend the spend the time here. And um, yes. so um, I wanted to, one thing that I really was a major takeaway for me was True Mother's Heart. Um, we received guidance from Reverend Jackson um, on some experiences that he had and things that he had been told. And I think these experiences really helped me to connect on a much deeper level uh, to True Mother's Heart, more of, of her sorrow and how much she cries for all of us as children and humankind. And uh, he was sharing that uh, someone who had worked for True Mother before would 
go to wake her up every single morning and she noticed that the pillow was wet, uh, not just one day, but every single day. So she knew that every single night your mother was crying and um, we were discussing, you know, why was she crying every single night? And it was because she loves us so much and she's worried about America and she's worried about the future and the next generation. So hearing this along with Dr. Tanya Edwards, who's a part of ACLC, uh, her testimonies and experiences with True Mother uh, was really beautiful. I, I kind of self-reflected that night and really my prayer was just crying the entire time. And I felt that I had connected at least um, 30%, you know, like still not enough, you know, but just even a little bit. And I was deeply saddened by that that realization, but also really grateful that I could connect and that, you know, throughout the rest of the retreat that could kind of become my starting point, my kind of why am I doing YCLC and why am I investing into these churches and investing locally and investing into ACLC. And um, another point that I really took away was just the the experiences that we had with ACLC. Um, You know, we sometimes we don't do as much with ACLC as we should, but uh, during this retreat, we got to go on a veterans march with them. We had breakfast with Dr. Young, and I we had I had so much guidance pouring in from ACLC ministers and pastors, their experiences with true parents, but also kind of feeling they kind of represented to me kind of first um, first generation or the elder generation just pouring their love onto us. And I was, I really appreciated ACLC being there for us and supporting us and really showing how much they support us. We went to one pastor's church, if you see on the bottom right there, and uh, that's Joshua speaking, but um, the pastor of that church, Bishop Thomas, he, you know, his his entire congregation was, well, he invited his congregation to this YCLC youth revival that we had with the ACLC pastors. And they called each and every one of us up to anoint us with oil, to support us financially. And I just kind of felt, you know, oh, like I can, I just so much love from the elder generation made me feel I can really do this. I'm supported. Even when I leave here, just all the love that's been pouring into us, I really want to pour back out And it was just profound. I felt like ACLC and YCLC really really connected over this week. And we could also have uh, some conversations with KCLC as well and WCLC. Um, And that was just amazing. And just being with them and uh, hearing their stories and hearing their guidance to us, really pouring into us how we can be better leaders was really amazing and I'm so grateful for them for taking the time to pour into us um, even at their own churches and so uh, all in all just being together with everyone um, 
we really came together in unity as YCLC. And I felt like being there at the Chongqing one, uh, praying together, really deep heartfelt prayers. And uh, we all decided to really just kind of push ourselves, and but to do it together. And uh, a lot of us met, you know, for the first time or haven't really spoken to each other. So we really connected. We really came together in unity, which is really important. We're a small group, uh, Josh says, like a ragtag team, but I think all of the people in YCLC have a lot of hearts and I learned a lot from every one of them. And uh, just uh, highlighting that when uh, True Mother opened the Chongqing one and she gave her speech, there were uh, three points that she focused on um, all together. That was second and third gen Christianity and education. And we were like, well, that's what YCLC is literally that we are those things. So um, I really feel like with YCLC, I can uh, serve mother and I can bring her vision for America and for the Chunchim one to fruition. This was actually, you know, my prayers have been so focused on myself and my family lately. And I think this time I could really kind of have a broader heart that it's not just about me. It's not just about my family. It's not even just about Dallas, Texas. It's about all of America. And True Mother is always thinking about all of us. She's crying for us, pouring her tears out for us. And considering these three points, I, I feel like I can really do a lot uh, here. And I was really shown that this past week there. Um, and I'm really grateful to Yuka Shimada and Joshua Holmes for really kind of pushing us and educating us. And uh, we have a new mission, which I'm very happy to have, challenged by, but happy. But uh, Joshua called each and every YCLC leader to uh, be in pastoral leadership, either as a pastor, ministry leader, ACLC, YCLC, national leader or staff. So that next step, uh, all of us were kind of maybe scared or unsure, but then ultimately we decided, okay, we're going to unite on that vision. We're all going to become pastors or something, but um, we, we're not going to be able to relate to pastors if we don't understand their hearts themselves. So, uh, and uh, Dr. Young also gave us a mission which was to outreach to 120 churches. And that night, each and every one of us decided, well, okay, let's do it. So uh, I really feel strong a strong bond with ACLC and our elders, and we want to make them proud, but we also want to inherit from them. And we want to, yes, this experience was just really great, where I could have really deep, meaningful prayers um, at the Chunchim one, understand the importance understand true mother's heart but also connect with first gen or the elder generation so thank you so much